gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday for your early Thursday delivery. Might even get it sooner because of the holiday here in the United States. So shout out to my man, Gabe, who's always working hard. He's kind of a silent partner of ours, but he really is the one that kind of shines this whole thing up for us. So shout out to Gabe. Uh, Gabe G. I don't think I need to put all his personal info out there, but We have a fun show for today because there's some breaking news that we get to react to. So we'll talk about it. It, It's part of the UFC 282 card that's coming up in December. We got a new main event and there's a lot to unpack. Of course, Conor McGregor, he's always being chatted about. This time, Anthony Smith was chatting about him on the Believe You Me podcast. And he had some strong feelings. And I'd like to also give my thoughts on, uh, on that very same topic. PFL had their media day today. They're just, what, 48 hours away from arguably their biggest card ever. So lots, lots to uh, unpack there. And we have two interviews for you. Austin Trout, former WBA junior middleweight champ, also won the WBC junior middleweight title at one point. But with that WBA title, he had some title defenses. So I believe that's his cornerstone right there. Natan Levy, he'll also join us. Fights in the UFC. He's got a fight coming up at the UFC Fight Night in Orlando. We'll chat with him. So here we go. It's MMA Junkie Radio again on a Wednesday, November 23rd. Goes as I was heading to California today. The phone's kind of blowing up. Wow, what a reshuffle at the top of the deck for UFC 282. We no longer have... Yuri Prochaska defending his title versus Glover Teixeira. So Yuri Prochaska suffered a serious shoulder injury, one so bad that he's actually vacated his title because it, uh, it's going to require a complicated surgery and rehab. Dana White said the doctors told him that's one of the most serious or the most serious one they've ever seen. So he vacates his title. It's There's not going to be an interim or anything like that. Uh, and I know you're all wondering, Oof, so who's Glover fighting, you know, because on that same card was Jan Blahovich and Magomed Ankalaev. Well, he's not. <laughs> he got pa- no, He didn't get passed over. Well, in a way he did. Apparently, they told him it's going to be you versus Ankalaev. And he said, well, uh, how about me versus Blahovich? And they said, no, it's you versus An- uh, Ankalaev. He said, okay, how about me versus Ankalaev? In January in Brazil, I need more time. That's a different, that's a different skill set, you know that that uh, I was preparing for, and actually that's not a bad defense for Glover. Um, you know, with him having beaten Jan Blahovich, he already knows he's prepared for him before. He's fought him before, so it's a good point that was made. But but the UFC shot that down quickly, and so the UFC moved on. It's now Ankalaev goes versus Blahovich for the uh, vacant, undisputed title in the UFC's light heavyweight division. React. I'm curious how how all that information was relayed back and forth and how long it took to arrive to that. I don't blame Glover Teixeira for anything that he tried to do, okay? 
I do understand that. But he has to know, being the veteran that he has, that he is uh, for so long in the sport, he has to know that when you say no to the UFC, they move on. And not only do they move on, but sometimes there's some lasting effects to that too, right? Um, but you also have to understand that uh, Glover Teixeira, you know, he's no spring chicken. This is towards the end of his career here. So if you go out and just throw caution to the wind, uh, you're taking a big risk for him at this stage in his career. So I kind of get why he did that. But at the same time, uh, you had to know you're going to get passed over like this. And depending on how severe this injury is, maybe it'll it'll pan out for you, but maybe it won't. You know, look at that division and you look at some of the killers. I mean, just look who just got matched up today, man. Um, what's his nuts? Jamal Hill. Like, you got to worry about these guys coming up and all that. So it's a big risk that he took, but uh, I kind of get him. I just don't know that uh, the UFC reacted properly. Okay. So let me ask you this. Glover Teixeira is at this moment goes, he just turned 43 a few days ago. No, uh, a month ago. Do you think fighting at 43 versus Ankalaev? would be uh, more difficult than, let's say, in six months, he fights the winner of Ankalaev versus Blahovich. So he'll be six months older, but he'll be more prepared for either one of those two. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Because I didn't, I understood his point. He's fought Blahovich, so he knows he's prepped for that type of style, and he's beaten him before, so there's probably a confidence level to that. Uncle Live is a whole different animal. Like, I understand that that's probably like, hey, I, I haven't been importing wrestling or wrestlers or addressing mm-hmm. that as much, you know, because it's a wrestling heavy style. So I'm also a veteran. This is Glover talking. I'm also a veteran, a former champ. Don't I get a say here? Um, him versus Blahovich isn't like the craziest thing ever. Both are former champs. Um, they both have fun fights. And if you think about it, before Prochaska and Teixeira 2 was decided on, one fight that everybody thought was cooking was Prochaska versus Blahovich. So much so that when that fight didn't uh, come to fruition, Blahovich was playing the card of you broke the samurai cord, c- code to Prochaska. So it kind of led us all to believe that he was the one that was iced out of that equation, you know. And so, but the, it looked like the UFC was kind of pushing on Glover Teixeira and Kalaev is the first option or only option really um, over Blahovich. Take it or leave it, right? Is basically what they're saying. Yeah. Now, again, it was just Blahovich that was pushing the angle. It's not like the UFC backed him up on that angle. But uh, I don't know. I, and I don't think, I mean, look, some may say, well, wasn't Glover playing that cute hand of, you know, in Brazil, his home country. Well, yeah, but I think that's just timing. Yeah, it's true. It played out that way. It's a different, you know, where today's the 23rd, the fight's on the 10th, so it gives them more time to adequately prepare for a wrestler. And sure, yeah, it's in Brazil. It's not like Brazil couldn't use help on that card, by the way. I think the UFC probably was like, yeah, well, first things first. We got the card in three weeks, and we just lost the main event. So, no, we need something now, today, you know. Um, so I guess I understand the UFC's point there, but, but, but again, it could have been Glover versus Blahovich. 
Does Ankalaev really sell more pay-per-views? I, I don't think so. I, I would think Glover and Blahovich are two bigger names. Yeah, I think that would sell better. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just a take-it-or-leave-it situation. And I don't know that you do that to somebody like Glover. Right. But uh, fuck, the UFC can, can do what they want, man. Maybe Glover is the sweetest guy ever in the media, behind the mic. But behind the scenes, he's difficult. I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying maybe it's one of those where the UFC felt like, ha we're going to get you back. Because, mm-hmm. again, on paper, everything we see, everything we hear, this 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 kind of makes no sense that they weren't willing to work with Glover a little bit more. Because he said, I'll fight Blahovich on the 10th of December, but if, I, but if it's on Goliath, then next year in Brazil... So it's not like he was really trying to get out of December. He was just saying the, the you know the matchup, and I think that's I think that's fair, you know. But anyway, what's done is done. It is Ankalaev versus Blahovich on December tenth, UFC two eighty two. It's a whole new main event. It's for the vacant title because Prochaska has vacated. Um, a lot of times you'll see a serious injury. What they'll do is, hey, look, you're on the shelf. We're going to do an interim, but. Dana White stated, this thing is so serious and the rehab is going to be so long that, oh, my man, we just got to move on, you know, and I guess when he's ready to go, he'll come back. Now, what'll suck for Prochaska is when he comes back as the challenger, he'll, um, he won't get pay-per-view points because he's not champ. So maybe he was able to negotiate that. Who knows? But, you know, Francis Ngannou, um, they didn't strip him altogether. Mm-hmm. Now his his knee injuries his knee injury is the type where it's usually nine months and we're around the ninth month maybe we're closer to the eighth we still haven't heard about a fight back shoulder injuries yeah I hear about torn labrums being a year is this one so serious that uh, you know it's going to be more perhaps who knows anyway well, that's the thing like I wish we had we had a little bit more information yeah. I know when it comes to shoulders the the labrum can be a, a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing to the extent where you would say, like, "Good God!" I mean, they just told him goodbye to your title. Like that—that that to me says this is going to be over a year and a half process, probably. Right? How bad was this injury? No idea, man. I don't know. Uh, you feel like it's one of those where you know when you're running through reels on Instagram, someone's hanging out of a car door, someone's gonna. You know, reach and take something from someone, and all of a sudden, bah, they run into a sign, and their arm gets mm-hmm. broken off or something. Of course, I'm exaggerating, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of injury it was and and how bad it is. But uh, I, I'd like to know: Did he get a say in it? Did, you know, did they ask him kindly, and he said sure? Did they have an agreement, or you know, did he volunteer it? I, who knows? Because, like, you know, Dillashaw, for example, knew he was going to be out two years. Of course, this is a whole different other thing when he got the USADA pop. And so he was like, all right, yeah, I get it. I'm vacating right away. But Prochaz, I mean, I don't remember other champs that have been just told to. I'm sure there has been, but not, not one comes to mind right now where they're just told, nope, nope, vacate, we're moving on. And, and mm-hmm. the fight, okay, you know, so I, I imagine there's something, some language in the contract that says the UFC probably has that right anyway. So, um, all right, so that's that's the new deal there. Hopefully we get a quick comeback for Prochaska maybe in a year from now. And as far as 
to share his concern. I don't know who will be next for him. I, but I imagine he, you know, he said it himself. I could fight on Brazil, so maybe he'll get a, a solid matchup for Brazil. Could be. I like the Anthony Smith and uh, Jamal Hill matchup. That's going to be fun, man. That's fireworks. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect pivot because guess what? The next story that I wanted to talk to you about was Anthony Smith had some comments about Conor McGregor. You know, I'm perusing MMA junkie, and it says, Anthony Smith, this is his quote, there's only one reason Jack this shit Conor McGregor would pull out of USADA testing pull. So he basically said out loud what we've all probably have uh, known or speculated and that's that, you know, he's taking performance-enhancing drugs uh, for the benefit of the recovery of the leg. You know, Connor's been pretty adamant in the past about, hey, man, do not ever accuse me of cheating or whatever. So I don't see him as someone that's trying to gain an advantage for that reason. I kind of agree with Anthony. It probably had something to do with the leg. But luckily, within the article, um, our writer, who who wrote this one? This is the work of one Farah Hanun. So she talks about, you know, Anthony continuing on here as he's addressing this on the Believe You Me podcast. That's Michael Bisping's podcast. He says it bothers the fuck out of me, like that he pulled himself out of the USADA pool. There's only one reason you would do that. He's looking jacked as shit. You keep seeing videos of him flexing in front of the mirrors and screaming, and he's huge. He healed really fast, like really fast. He continues, Weidman still hasn't um, recovered from his leg. I talked to Weidman today. He's still having struggles. He's still struggling to get back. Anderson took a long time. Corey Hill took a long time. Anybody who's broken their leg has taken a long time. He's seemingly pretty healed up. It just bugs me that he gets to jump out of the pool, juice up on whatever he's on, and then just jump back in the pool and no one's going to say shit about it. I don't know. It's weird. It bothers me. All right. So one thing here, um, it's also been a long time for Connor, whether he's on in, in performance enhancing drugs or not. It's been a year and a half. And by the time he fights, because he's got to get back, back in the pool, it's going to be a two-year return. So it's not like this was like, hey, that was just three months ago that happened. No, man, it's already been a year and a half. Um. Maybe he needed to resort to this because it wasn't healing. But, of course, anytime you ever asked him about it, he kept bragging about the steel rod and he's good and, you know. But um, what, what do you think? I, I I I kind of agree with Anthony on this a little bit, but I, I, um, I guess if you can – look, here's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, if, if, what is, if what he's doing is allowing him to recover from the broken leg, but then we're going to go through enough of a time that he weans off that and fights fair against his next opponent. And I kind of have no problem with it, to be to be honest. Now, if all the other athletes are saying, well, I would have liked to do something like that because I've had a prior injury, but I couldn't. They said, once you're out, you're out of the UFC. Then I understand Anthony's point about, wow, that's that's quite a privilege. But that's also quite an injury, too. You know, not everyone just has a broken leg. We only named three right now. I can't think of another one. Well, no, Tyron Spong, I guess, when he was in kickboxing. But, um, you know, I don't know, man. 
I agree and disagree. I agree with this initial comment of there's only one reason. Because if I knew I was going to be out for two years, I would probably say, uh, well, no sense in getting woken up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m., right? Or having to report on this app all the time. But when you add in the fact that he looks very different now, well, now you're just kind of playing with fire. That's the part that makes everything look dumb. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that I mean, to me, if I'm a journalist in another sport, if I'm a Stephen A. Smith or someone like that, I'm looking at that and going, what the hell is going on over here? Like, what kind of rule is this? Mm-hmm. Um, Connor, I'm, not every post is something that he posted. You know, a lot of people just take pictures of him and go, wow, he looks jacked. But, yeah, I would probably stay away from from something like that, posting those pictures and you know, that's probably maybe if that bothers enough fighters, then maybe that's something USADA needs to look into. Like, all right, if you're going to walk away, well, now it's not six months. You know, we need to bump this up to a year or something that you have to be back in the program for a while. Because uh, it kind of does seem feel a little loophole-ish. Mm. Dana White confirmed it to the media following the conclusion of UFC 280. So Farah Hanoon, for example, asked about McGregor. I guess Dana White confirmed it. Perhaps the follow-up there could have been, can you explain why? You know, like, why Why does he, can, can any fighter do this? Or did he get a special clearance? What's the deal here? Because I think that would, you know, the more info we have, the more we would know. And the more we apply it as media to the future cases like this. Every time there's a precedent, we can build off that, you know. But, yeah, I guess there just seems to be a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell you what, we got a couple interviews here to do. So Austin Trout will be first. We're going to get to this one and uh, we'll come back and continue addressing the latest news in the sport of mixed martial arts. Big card coming up on Friday. We'll give you a reminder for that. But right now we're going to talk to no doubt Austin Trout, a former, a boxing champion, who is still boxing, by the way. I see December 9th, he's got something coming up. But the big deal here is he recently got signed by BKFC. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the world of combat sports. His name is Austin Trout. He's a former WBA junior middleweight champion. Although, I may be out of touch. I've been looking, and they might be calling him light middleweight now. Maybe there was a change. Who knows? Welcome, Austin Trout, to the show. How are you? What's up, y'all? I appreciate y'all having me, man. It's exciting to be here. I can't wait to talk about me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's lots to talk about but is it now is it no longer junior middleweight is it now light middleweight i guess they call it they so it, it depends on what organization that you represent so when i fought for the wba it was super welterweight yeah I, I believe the maybe the bc calls it junior middleweight the bo may call it light middleweight but it, you know it's 154 pounds 154 and you've been consistent because i was looking to see you know a lot of fighters as they get older they'll start to go up or whatever but it seems like you've been a consistent 154 for a while so is that just due to genetics or did you want to like just have a, a a solid legacy at 154 both uh you know I, it's it's partly genetics but if you looked at my you know my father you wouldn't tell so it's hard work too 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I, I wouldn't say hard work, consistent work, consistency. Um, I'm not your average old 154 pound fighter either, though. So yeah. I, I, I feel like I have a lot of longevity due to my style and to my unwanted layoffs. Got it. So the first thing I did, you know, when when Goes booked the interview, obviously, I knew there had to be something happening that was crossing over from boxing to either our world. I got excited. Is he coming to MMA? And but but you know we're very familiar with bare knuckle fighting. Uh, we know David Feldman very well. We've covered yeah. his sport. We love it. Our a lot of our athletes have gone there as well, and so it's exciting, you know. And very I, I, want, I wanted to ask you what drew you to consider bare knuckle, being that you're a successful <laughs> former champion in boxing. It's not like you're a, a club and guy, future. a journey guy, and future world champion in boxing. I, I still got plans to do stuff over there. Okay. Um, I still got plans to get another world title in boxing. Um, but man, when they, they said, would you ever do bare knuckle? I've, I've watched it. I'm a fan, just like boxing. I'm a fan. So I've been watching it. I'm already like, man, I could, I could whoop him and him and him. You know, I'm already looking at the landscapes when they're like, would you do it? I'm like, would I? And that takes me back to my roots. You know what I'm saying? I'm from New Mexico. Uh, you know, it's a desert out there. And fighting's one thing we do out there a lot. So, you know, bare knuckles take me back to my my nice New Mexican roots. <laughs> uh, so are, you, are you saying you were a savage on the streets? Uh, I'm not saying I was a savage, but I'm saying, you know, I I, I, I don't remember losing any for real. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't remember ever hurting my hand to either. You know what I mean? That was never an yeah. issue. Every time I hurt my hand, it was in a glove to, to keep it 100. Mm-hmm. The only time uh, I ever hurt my hand, I had a glove on. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe you. I mean, the the sweet science for sure. You guys know how to throw punches. And so the next thing I did was I said, "All right, I see that he's a consistent 154," and I start moving over, and I see Luis Palomino, who's arguably one of the best champions they've had, one of the best athletes they've had at bare knuckle. Is that kind of one of the ones you saw where you said? I he, he's the best, right? He's yeah. the best in that organization. That's what I'm coming for. Let me uh, get my feet wet, Luis. And I mean, he's had a good run, but he ain't fighting nobody like me, nor would he until you know, until I step in there. So yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, he has two titles. He's a champ, champ over there. Okay, like four or five title defenses. So he he arguably is their goat man. That's right away, I'm fired up. But you said you want to have. We won't call it a tune-up because that can sound disrespectful. You just want to yeah. have a fight with somebody me, before yeah. you get Well, yeah. I mean, what kind of hype would that be if I just jump in there, raw dog, and and, and then knock it down, Luis? I don't, won't make no money doing that. So let's get a couple of hype-up fights and get a showdown set up. All right. Well, I wasn't sure because I already see you got boxing coming up on December 9th. Like you I'm stated. Fight. I like the fight. There's a future. There's a future belt, you know, for you. So I didn't know if you were just dipping and ripping out, or what. No, no, no. I, I like everything I do. I, I try to do, you know, to the full capacity, and and uh, you know, the training won't interfere with any any of the fights because it's just boxing training. You know, I don't have to learn nothing different. Um, I, I know that there is a there's a couple discrepancies you can't really get away with in that bare knuckle. I'm aware, um, but as far as I don't have to change nothing up. I don't have to change the diet. I don't really have to change up nothing. So I, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, 
try to conquer BKFC while I'm still conquering boxing. Mm-hmm. And how soon do you want to do that? I, obviously, 2023, right? But but like first quarter, or do you need to work a little bit and and uh, get you know get ready for this? Get your well, hands. I, I believe my first fight is going to be in February, so I, you know I guess uh, first quarter would be cutting it close since I'm only gonna have one fight by that time. So I'm I'm thinking like mid to late 23. I think that's enough time to get some some hype going. Not hype, but you know, get get some interest into that. Austin, so you said you watch it. You're a fan of it. Um, but are these still kind of like new waters, or, or have you already kind of seen a blueprint of what you need to do here to be successful in the sport? No, no, I see I see the blueprint. And, and watching Luis is, is, you know, he showed kind of the blueprint himself. And I say I'm going to buy the style, have my own, my own gig. But, you know, fight, watching these guys and how, how they uh, – you know, the, the purpose is hit and not get hit. That's it. I'm very good at both, at hitting and not getting hit. So, you know, I, I think I can be very successful in this game. So, Austin, you get your first fight, you win, you would face Luis Palomino. If you win that fight, you would you would hold gold already around your waist. Is that kind of the definition of conquering that, that sport? Would you want to keep fighting after that? Yeah, or- I keep fighting because, I mean, say we have two, three, four fights – and I have the belt. Um, if I just walk away, there's no nobody's gonna remember that. I gotta, you know, maybe go and find another belt, another weight class, something, something to be memorable. Um, in boxing, I wanted to be the undisputed, undefeated world champion. Unfortunately, the undefeated part didn't happen. I was close to undisputed, but I was a world champion. You know, so I'm I'm, I'm gonna put my heights very high in, in the BKFC as well. Because in boxing, I'm going to be a four-time world champion. In BKFC, I'm going to be a five-time world champion in three different weight classes. Let's rock. Because I can go down, too. I can make 47 or whatever, you know, down in the 40s as well. So when you pick up the phone, all right, to maybe pick somebody's brain about that somebody that's already done something like this, I think of somebody like a, a Pauli Malignaggi that came from the boxing world. But at the same time, he didn't have success in that fight. So – who would you pick up the phone and talk? Would you talk to a boxer? Would you talk to somebody that came from the MMA side? Would you talk to somebody that's kind of done both? Who's the best guy to really pick their brain on? The best person to talk to is somebody who's actually done it and has been successful in it. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I would talk, I would call, I would holler at the juggernaut. You know, he seems to have a good hold on this game. Uh, he would be somebody I'd like to talk to. Now, there was going to be a big fight involving Luis Palomino. We're going to be transparent, though, here. We know Luis from MMA, from covering him in MMA. We've done a military visit with him. I know you're big with the military as well. Parents, uh, well. But he is, his mom is Peruvian. Well, he's from Peru, actually. So is ours. And when we talked to David Feldman a few months back, he had talked about wanting to take the show to Peru with Luis, maybe a stadium, maybe an arena, who knows what they wanted to do, right? Something like that. Would you want to be? Would Would you want to fight Luis in the home country of Peru? I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I love to travel and fight. That's that's you know two of my favorite things. I would love to go to Peru. I've been around it. Ain't been there yet. So to go there and to to you know make some history for myself, uh, and you know give the fans in his hometown, his home country, yeah. a great fight. You know. How many people have been trying to bring events to Peru? You know, I'm with it. Let's go. 
Oh man, that, that that's music to our ears right there. Let's go. Yeah. Um, they about- check my record, man. This is what I do. I go in people's backyards and, and make my name. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how I came up in the boxing world was fighting in backyards and you know just coming up that way. I didn't have no machine necessarily until until PBC got behind me. And then you know, shout out to Al Heyman still. You know, if it wasn't for the work he did, my name wouldn't be ringing like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin, one last thing here before we let you go. What about MMA? Since since it seems like you have other sports on your radar, like bare knuckle, did you ever look at our sport and even consider it any any point in your career? Nah, nah. You know the thing about MMA is uh, it's it's a different breed. You know, I have I have no. You know, I won't say no because again, you know, I like to fight. Um. And at one point, I was like, "Yeah, I'll do some MMA." When it was more, when it was brand, well, not when it was new, and it was kind of more of a tough man contest. But but now, you know, it, everyone's broken down everything into such a science that um, I wouldn't say no, but I, I would definitely be. I'd have to be very. I wouldn't just jump in like I'm trying to jump into this bare knuckle. You feel me? Uh, I would take my time with MMA. I would have to. To, to master, you know, just two or three maybe arts would, would take some serious time, I, I think. We just had a kickboxer come over and defeat Israel Adesanya, also a kickboxer. True. So they worked on just enough wrestling to... But, yeah, but see, that was a great... That was a style. That was a great stylistic matchup. And if you look at it, that kick... the uh, I don't want to butcher his name, Pereira. Alex Pajeda, yeah. Pajeda. Yeah. He was the better kickboxer because that's what Adesanya was trying to do. So, yeah, if you get somebody who wants to sit there and stand up, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take that fight. But, um, <laughs> you know, I couldn't claim that I, I conquered MMA if I just fought all the boxers. Who who would you want to fight in MMA if that – let's say that person said, hey, uh, unofficial rule, we're in, we ain't even going to take it to the ground. Who would you like to throw hands with? In MMA? Conor McGregor? I would whoop his ass, man. <laughs> He could kick too if he wanted. I, I think I, I could whoop him. Take it easy, Austin Trout. Those those, <laughs> those calf kicks are pretty brutal. Are you sure about that? <laughs> those kicks look, and I got little legs, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I can handle it. Hey, you definitely handled yourself in combat sports, so there's uh, there's there's no shade being thrown here. I'm just busting yeah. balls. No, no, you're right though. That's that's a tough uh, cookie to to crack, but I think I can do it. If we you just know- strike it, yeah. Do you know any of the guys from? I know you're in Houston and mm-hmm. formerly New Mexico. So Jackson Wink, Derek oh, yeah. Lewis, Joseph Benavides, I think might be from your neck of the woods. Las Cruces. That's my me and Joseph. We went to high school together. Yeah. Um, you know, he was wrestling, I was boxing, and and it was crazy because when I was fighting Cotto, uh, so I'm in New York getting for the press conference, like doing the uh, press run. So the fight was probably you know like a month away or two months away. And I'm in New York for press, um, getting ready to fight Cota in the Madison Square Garden. I'm in Times Square, and I look up. I see a big-ass billboard of my man Joe. So that was like a great Las Cruces moment. Uh, you know, of course, I had to go put the picture of me with Joe right behind me. Like, hey, I don't care what nobody said. For that that little time being, Las Cruces ran New York. My yeah. New York people, my New York people, be like New York Las Cruces. They never run New York beat, never sign. But yeah, we, <laughs> we we took over New York for just that moment. You know what I mean? But just for that moment. So shout out to my brother Joe, Joe Jitsu. Follow him. He's good people's. Uh, 
you know, again, Albuquerque is full of, of great fighters. Um, Carlos Condit, I've, I've been blessed to share the ring with him, working hands, of course. <laughs> I was like, bro, we, we could wrestle if you want after this. He's like, no, nah, that's not that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen. Was, oh, wait. Was, one, one more one more uh, UFC uh, classic moment for me because uh, I was very stoked being on it. My pro debut was on Holly Holmes' undercard when she fought Christy Martin. That was like her breakout uh, win. And then she, from there, she went on to win every belt imaginable in the women's boxing world, world championship. And then she went on to to switch to MMA, have a big old upset with Ronda Rousey, New Mexico stand-up. Shout-out to Holly Holmes, Carlos Condit, uh, Keith Jardine. Uh, we have a lot of them. Ooh, those are some uh, old school names there. All right. Yeah. I like hey, shout out to John Jones, too. He out there in Albuquerque. Bootke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John Jones, Jardine, Tim Means, a lot of Tim people. Means. Dang, I can't believe I forgot my man Tim. He boxed, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a tough guy, man. He's tough. You know what, what? Tell me, what is it about New Mexico when we do have these guests in studio? They always deliver with the street fight stories. What is it about fight? <laughs> I'll tell you how we fight. There's Nobody just goes, I'm good, peace out. Nah, <laughs> nah, it's not. Um, and it, it, well, again, times have changed. Everybody ain't fighting like they used to fight no more. I think that's nationally, but I, you know, I just remember fist fights was a, was a very common thing and, and get beat up, whatever. You know, I'll see you next time, or maybe not. I might think about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you had a chance to think about it. So, um, there's a lot of desert, so you know it's like go meet me in the desert. Let's go <laughs> handle this right now. Yeah, I think it's because you know what they say: they ain't nothing but space and opportunity. That's why there's a lot of fights. There's nothing but space and opportunity in New Mexico, and you're gonna run into somebody. You know, what I mean, it's a small town, usually small city, so you're gonna see somebody a few times. Maybe that day, you're like, bro, this is a sign from God. I need to whoop your ass. This is the third time <laughs> I ran into you. And every time I just got madder and madder, you keep looking at me like, let's go fight. You know what I mean? It was right. it's, it was cool. I, I don't regret how I grew up. I, I wish I wish these kids would learn to take an ass woman today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, any uh, anything goes in the streets, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, well, what what happens if I say that meet me in the desert and then I go, hold on, let me tie my shoes. But then I grab a handful of sand. Boom. Get you in the eyes. All right, that's that that'll work. Is that a punk move or, or yeah, a little that? bit a little bit, but you know that that's not as bad as like picking up a rock and hitting somebody in the head with it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like all right, that was a whole move, but uh, I'll be okay from that. Like, oh you bastard, I'm gonna <laughs> I'll make you eat that dirt. So like anything goes, but again, you know, there's still honor amongst these or you know, honor amongst fist fighters, you know. Um we we don't want to just stay stomping people out nothing like that. It should it, there should be some kind of rules, and unfortunately there's not, which is why I try to tell these kids like just come to the gym. It's a controlled environment. We can teach you how to properly defend yourself, properly strike adequately, and you know if somebody falls, that's it. You, you know, mm. maybe not let them get up, but but we're not going to take advantage of the the, the weak. Mm-hmm. Um, one more. Yeah. Who, who, aside from your homies, is there a fighter that you like watching in MMA from our sport? Um, yeah, Adesanya is my dude, man. That that uh. Oh, so that one hurt. It hurt. It hurt. I was happy for for you know his victory, but yeah, yeah I, li- I like I just like how how 
Israel's such a nerd, you know. He likes anime, he likes anime, he likes comics. Uh, I'm kind of the same way. It that sounds like a real ninja in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, Mashido used to be the same way. I thought he was like a, a real ninja in there. You think Izzy can get him in the rematch? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, I think so. I, it, yeah. it was, it was a, it was he's a three. One. He's zero and three against them twice in kickboxing. See. But he's fought really well in all three. Yeah, and in this one he was up three rounds to one going in around five. It was, it was a good fight. Yeah, you know, um, some people just have your number though. That's kind of how Vernon Forrest was with Shane Mosley. He just had his number. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, really a betting man, so I'm not gonna put no money on Izzy, but I'm cheering for him. All right. Well, we're cheering for you. Uh, hey, thank you, know, you whatever you do, we've watched you for a long time. So thank you so much for jumping on here on our show. Thanks for and, having uh, me. Guys. Can't wait to cover your first fight at BKFC. All right. Have a good one, y'all. You too. See you, Austin. Thank you, sir. Boy, that guy was nice, wasn't he? I was a big fan of his before this interview. I'm an even bigger fan now. Very cool guy. Yeah. I mean, super, super cool fan of our sport, respectful, respectful towards our sport. And, uh, yeah, homie of Joseph Benavidez and some of the other guys from Burke, like he said. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to talking to him some more once he finds out who his first opponent will be at BKFC. But uh, he looks confident, goes like he's going to be wearing a belt. But, you know, if he does, again, we lined up the weights. You know, he doesn't move around to, uh, and wait at, at boxing. It sounds like he'll be fighting at the same weight that Luis Palomino has been ruling for the last few years over there at BKFC. So chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, what what flavor cupcake do you think? He's, they got to throw somebody at him first, right? He's right. You got to build up that fight with Luis Palomino. But these fights aren't that easy to win, dude. Like even Luis Palomino, um, if you look at his streak, like who the hell do you give him in the meantime and hope he dismantles like these guys aren't wearing any gloves, dude. You could, you could KO anybody at any moment. So I don't even know that that's safe. But uh, he does kind of have to go through that mayhem a little bit before he, he fights somebody like Palomino. For sure. Um, and by the way, if it can be done in Lima, Peru, that would be one hell of a splash for BKFC to go in there with their arguably greatest fighter ever, mm -hmm. the existence of their company. Versus a former boxing champ that carries a name like Austin Trout. That's a win-win there. Um, sure. They were supposed to go in October, but they weren't able to make it happen. So we kind of haven't seen Palomino in action, but it looks like these two are definitely on a collision course. Mm -hmm. All right. PFL, it's uh, Friday goes. Last chance. Does Larissa Pacheco pull off the... Biggest upset maybe in PFL history? Dude, okay. I'm kind of feeling Larissa Pacheco this time around. I think she has improved. And Kayla has improved as well, but I don't know that her improvements have been like that huge leaps and bounds. I think it's going to be a more competitive fight this time around. I just feel foolish putting any other name other than Kayla Harrison. I just I would feel dumb doing that at this point. But I do think Larissa Pacheco can give her give her one hell of a fight. I think there's something there that you could say based on the performances this year that this girl has turned the corner a little bit. So you're going with Kayla Harrison? Yeah. 
But I wouldn't be shocked if this is the one. This could be their Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey type fight, right? Yep. The irony here is, well, not irony, but the difference here is Holm and Rousey had not fought before this happened, whereas these two have fought. Kayla has not finished Pacheco, but she's beaten her twice. She usually yeah. finishes everybody, and she usually does it pretty fast or is very dominant. But with Pacheco, again, she hasn't been able to finish her. This year, Pacheco actually finished first in the standings, and she's gotten a lot better. I think we've all seen it. I think even Kayla would admit that. But is it good enough to have closed the gap? I don't know, and that's what we'll find out. I agree with Goes. It's tough to not write anything but Kayla Harrison down when someone goes, hey, man, who you got? You know, but look, here are some odds that I found. They're anywhere in the 580 to 700 range for Kayla Harrison. Usually she's over a thousand, so she's not as big of a favorite. And then the comeback on Pacheco's plus 440, plus 420, plus 480. So shop around, you know, depending on how many houses you have available to you. I, I'd love to give you typical odds, our partners, but they don't seem to have uh, PFL odds up right now. Uh, Anyway, it, here's the real people's main event. The real main event, I should say. Brendan Lochney, minus 175. Bubba Jenkins, plus 150. Who do you like in this one? I, dude, this is almost a pick em fight for me. I was surprised a little bit at the odds. I I really think Bubba Jenkins has, has changed things around a little bit. But at the same time, I do also feel that Brendan Lochney is getting better. If I had to put a name down, man, it's probably Brendan. But uh, for some reason, I feel like Destiny is kind of in in um, uh, Bubba Jenkins' corner this time. Mm-hmm. You know, Lochnane has faced a lot of wrestlers. Um, and it looks like he's addressed that shortcoming in his skill set. He's looked a lot better this year facing off against some wrestlers. So I'm leaning towards Lochnane here because if the fight remains standing, although Bubba's also improved his stand-up, I just think Lochnane flows, blends his martial arts a little bit better, like the transition to stopping a takedown and then all of a sudden lighting you up is a lot better than... If Bubba's unsuccessful in his wrestling, mm-hmm. um, resorting to his striking, and I think that's where the, you know, the, the matchup within the matchup is going to be, you know, another way to look at it would be Lockning wants to strike and Bubba tries to take him down, and of course, you know, you can easily change from stand-up fighter to shooting in on 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 a, on a single or something, but um, I, I think there's going to be a little chess match there, and if Bubba can get him down, then now tap me on the shoulder. Who you got now, fool? I'll probably go, give me Bubba. Yeah. But um, it all depends on how easy he can do that and, and what he can do. Like, look at the fight that just happened with Nemkov and Anderson. If I told you, goes, hey, man, Anderson's going to try and get him down 13 times, 15 times, whatever it was, and Nemkov's going to stop all of them, you would have said, shut up. He might stop 10 tops. But five are going to, you know, he's going to have to deal with that ground and pound from overtime. You know, and will it be enough? But there's no way you would have believed that he would have, like, been 0%. Right, yeah. No, I would have laughed at that. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Um, Next up is Natan Levy. Let's chat with Natan Levy, who's got a fight coming up here against 
Gennaro, excuse me, Valdez, and it's at a it's on a fight card that's taking place in Orlando. Don't sleep on this fight card, folks. I'm gonna read the whole thing to you, off to you guys when we come back. But first, we're gonna talk to Nathan Levy, and then I'll tell you about this card that's sneaking up. If you're in the Florida area, you got to go to it. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today, we get to talk to Natan Levy. He's going to be fighting in Orlando on December 3rd. So all of us are making the sacrifice here on the day before Thanksgiving to bring you some content. Shed a spotlight on Natan's fight versus Gennaro Valdez. How you doing, Natan? Good to have you on the show. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for allowing us to squeeze in last minute and uh, the delays and everything going on. Uh, the unfortunate thing is him and I, that's my brother, we get to have some turkey tomorrow and indulge. You are, you're on a strict diet, though. Is it tough to fight during the holidays? Uh, you living in Vegas? You know, I don't know if, if, you've, if you've been here long enough to celebrate Thanksgiving and things like that. Yeah, I've been here for nine years, so I definitely uh, was invited to Thanksgiving a few times and I loved it. Mm-hmm. but uh, not tomorrow. I'm cutting weight. Uh, I don't need the distraction, and I definitely don't need to cheat. So I'm going to stay home and, uh, and eat some leaves. What are you going to miss the most? What of the Thanksgiving, uh, either the, the main courses, like ham and turkey, or the sides, which one are you going to miss the most? Dessert. Des- oh, dessert. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, well, dessert can almost go with every meal, but yeah. All right, so Natan, let me ask you something. You came out of the gate undefeated, and then you took a loss. But then you bounced back quickly. Some fighters sometimes go through two fights, three fights before they can shake it. You shook it quickly. Tell me about that. How much did that feel good to overcome, to get past that loss, and now start on another win streak? Yeah, you know the the loss. It was very hard for me. Um, it was my first loss. I never lost an amateur nor pro, but also I always knew, you know, in this sport. Uh, losses happen and it's okay. It's a part of the game. For me, I didn't get destroyed. I didn't get knocked out. I didn't get finished. Uh, I, I was there throughout the whole fight. I know I was a little bit uh, rusty on my uh, takedown defense and that cost me the fight, but I didn't feel like, uh, like I'm not in the, in the level. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't belong in the playing field. For me, it was, it proved that I did belong. And uh, it was just about uh, getting some things uh, right and, and winning the next one. And you're right. You didn't get finished. <clears throat> so I want to ask you, do you feel like it was more uh, physically you came up short that night? Mentally you came up short that night? And, and the process of overcoming it, um, was it anything that sat with you for a long time? Or were you able to get right back, start practicing, start a training camp, and then uh, which led to the win? I mean, it still sits with me. I'm still uh, pissed off. Okay. Um, I think, you know, I came up short uh, from a few reasons. One is uh, emotionally, you know, I hadn't fought in a year and it was my UFC debut. It was a big moment for me. And I think uh, usually it doesn't happen, but I lost my cool a little bit and kind of tried to to knock him out with every strike and kind of deviate a little bit from the game plan. Um, and also physically, you know, you, 
we always train everything. We train wrestling, striking, the jiu-jitsu. But uh, I feel like um, I just I wasn't sharp enough on my wrestling. My responses were a second too late. Um, and just I feel like the, the camp was lacking in wrestling. No, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but I remember a long time ago a guy named George St. Pierre. He came out, got a couple wins, and then he experienced his first loss against Matt Hughes. He got submitted. But then after that, he got over it, peeled off six straight, won a title, and then after that, he peeled off another 14 straight. So an early loss sometimes can be a good thing because you get it out of the way, I suppose, and then you know exactly where you need to be and and uh, you know you can trudge forward. And it sounds like you have put it, but what I did like hearing was that you still have that bitter taste. I think that's what a competitor should have. You know what I mean? Almost like somewhere, somewhere down the road, you you may want to get that back from the opponent himself or or, or just let it fuel you. Yeah, you know, maybe it's uh, my ego, but I do feel I'm the better fighter and I do want to get it back one day. Um, of course, you know, I lost that fight he won, so props. But for me, it was uh, that kind of, on one hand, it makes it uh, easier, like I said, because I did uh, belong in there. But on the other end, it makes it harder because I feel like I lost to to someone who's not as good as I am. Got it. Okay. Well, Hanaro Valdez is coming off a loss. Same thing. You know, he came off with a great start to his career. He's coming off a loss. So I imagine he's probably going through the same things you went to uh, you went through. Do you study a lot of film on fighters, or do you let the coaches do that and then they explain the game plan to you? As far as game plan, uh, I let you know. The coaches, like we're a team, I feel like they're more experienced, they're more knowledgeable. So I would listen to what they say, and they usually come up with the game plan. Uh, I do watch uh, the fights and study tape, mostly to get like the opponent's timing down. It's like if you're going to fight somebody you sparred with 10 times, it would be easier, right? So when I'm watching them fight, I'm kind of sparring them in my imagination. Mm-hmm. And um, that way I'm more familiar with their moves, with their tempo. Um, but as far as Gennaro goes, you know, he's very wild. So he's got, he's got like some, some patterns, but a lot of it is random and it comes out of nowhere. So again, it's about watching the tempo and like uh, knowing how long usually he's going to throw. Maybe I'm not sure what he's going to throw, but I know how long he's going to go before there's a break in tempo, before there's like a break in the in the pace. So that's what I'm trying to get a feel of. Anton, I want to talk to you a little bit about your road to where you are today, mm-hmm. right? Like you're far away from home. Uh, this wasn't the easiest thing, uh, the career choice and all that, and to, to move all the way over here. How often do you reflect on some of the hard times and and just trying to get the career done all the way out here? Uh, yeah, it's been a hell of a journey so far. Um, like uh, in, in karate and in MMA, I've had a long uh, martial arts journey. But, uh, you know, I'm, for me, it's, it's, it's just the beginning. So I like to, to be nostalgic and think about everything I went through, but I also know there's a lot more coming. 
what's the big motivation in your life? Sometimes we hear fighters say, I just do this for the money. I don't really care about the belt. Some fighters only care about the belt. What about you? What would you say uh, if we were to talk to you again this this time next year? What would we be talking about? What's what's the motivation here? Um, you know what what drives me? I would say is um, challenging myself and doing the uncomfortable every day, uh, especially on fight day. Um, and of course, you know, I have my family. I'd love to be able to, to provide for, uh, you know, I, I will provide for my wife, uh, for my mother, um, and whoever, whoever needs me, uh, my children one day. Uh, so of course the money is good and I, I hope I can make a lot through fighting, but what really drives me, I know I can make money in 10 different places. I know I could have been rich by now if I put the same amount of energy I put into fighting into anything else that's uh, more profitable. So again, what really drives me is like the, the martial arts journey, challenging yourself. Uh, I love training. I love uh, teaching martial arts. Uh, but I feel like if you do it just at some, uh, you know, random gym somewhere and you don't go out, go out there and, and test your skills, test yourself, then it's all, it's kind of missing a big part of it. I feel like everybody should train martial arts and I feel like most should also compete to a certain level. You know, I've noticed in my career covering the sport, there's certain fighters that when you, when you hear the impact of their punches in the arena, um, it just, it feels like it's, it's happening to you. You're one of the only guys you hit pretty hard, so hard that, even watching it on TV, you can kind of hear it and go, oh, my God. Uh, how do you balance that? You know, putting your foot on the gas and going for that knockout and then at the same time sticking the strategy. And, um, you know, how, how do you do that with your coaches? And, and has that ever been a problem? It's always been like a, a balancing act because I'm like I'm fast twitch. But I don't want to burn myself out too fast. So a lot of times I fight like uh, I'm very uh, cautious with my energy. I'm conserving it for the right times. You know, sometimes you're, it's like uh, you're doing intervals. You're sometimes you're jogging, sometimes you're sprinting. You can't sprint for three miles. You're just going to die. Um, so I, I just, uh, you know, I try and feel the fight, know when to put it on, when not to put it on. Uh, I'm always throwing hard, but just uh, you don't want to overdo it. And that's what I did in my first fight in the UFC, I think. I tried to to hurt the guy too much, and I spent too much energy, and I was, lost my footing many times. Um, if, like, if, if you don't look for the knockout, you're more likely to find it. I, I don't have a knockout on my record, but a lot of times I hurt people with some blows and then they shoot for a desperate takedown and I get the choke. Um, and then it doesn't matter how tough you are. You can maybe eat a punch, but you can't uh, survive a good choke. Natan, you're going from cold and dry. And I'm talking about the the weather we have in Vegas. We live in Vegas as well. To warm and humid. Will that affect you at all, uh, fighting in Florida? I really doubt it. Um, 
I can't know until I'm in there, but you know, I'm from Israel. It's very hot and very humid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually like it better. Like I feel better training in that uh, when I can sweat more, when it's more humid. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's going to bug me. I actually feel like uh, it's going to make me feel home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you mentioned one other thing. You know, what an other career you could have taken aside from being a fighter. What do you think you would have been doing right now if you weren't a fighter? What, what would be your career? I mean, before fighting, I was teaching martial arts. Um, and I was, you know, I think I was pretty good at it. Um, and I had a lot of students and I had uh, a few successful uh, gyms. And that was, uh, I started teaching at 18 when I came back from Japan and got my black belt there. And until I was, uh, and, and I opened those gym and ran them until I was 22. And I closed, I closed everything to, to fly to Vegas and pursue this uh, crazy dream of being a UFC fighter. So I think I would still be doing that. But for me, I left this because I felt like, oh man, I'm 22 years old and I'm just telling people, you know, to punch the bag and do the push-ups and do everything that I should be doing all day long. Uh, but I can't because I'm busy teaching. So, you know, I said I can always be a, a, a martial arts teacher, but I can only be a fighter now. So I had to just... Uh, get out of that comfort zone and go challenge myself. Interesting. And I'm sure you'll be able to go back. So uh, for now, I guess the focus is being a prize fighter and we want to wish you the best of luck with the rest of your camp. I hope you have a safe weight cut, safe travels to Orlando, and then one heck of a fight against Gennaro Valdez on December 3rd at the UFC fight night in Orlando. Thank you again for the time. And if you can enjoy any of Thanksgiving, uh, we wish you, the best with that. Uh, I'll enjoy it by all my friends enjoying it and you guys enjoying it. Uh, thank you very much for having me, and it's going to be a hell of a fight. Tune in. All right. Thank you, Natan. Take care. Thank you. Nice fella, huh? Poor yeah, guy doesn't. Yeah. Poor guy didn't take it too hard that he doesn't get to celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah, he's had it rough, dude. He was born in France, lived in Israel, but uh, when you look at overall like what he's had to do to become a fighter it was rough and he's, he seems to always be a nice guy and good mood yeah so looks like he spent some time in japan too mm-hmm. this card is headlined by stephen thompson and kevin holland the next fight i see so it's probably the co-main event uh rafael de sanjos versus brian barbarina then you got nicola no sorry Mateus nicolau versus matt schnell and then all of a sudden they snuck this one in tai tuivasa Versus Sergey Pavlovich. I thought Ty was going to take some time off after the Cyril gone fight in September, but he's right back at it, man. Versus Sergey Pavlovich, Jack Hermanson. He just fought in October. Goes against Chris Curtis. He's fighting Roman Delitzi. Roman Delitzi's actually subbing in because Jack Hermanson was actually supposed to fight Derek Brunson. Um, Eric Anders versus Kyle Dacus. Anders was a recent guest on MMA Junkie Radio. Nico Price versus Philip Rowe. Don't know too much about Rowe, but I know Price's fights are always fun. Angela Hill versus Emily Ducati. Clay Guida versus Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman. Michael Johnson versus Mark Diakesi. 
Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. Tracy Cortez. She's undefeated, man, as a flyweight. And she's ranked versus Amanda Hivas, another big name in women's MMA. Natan Levy versus Gennaro Valdez. Francis Marshall versus Marcelo Rojo. And Yasmin Jaragui, who's undefeated, by the way, versus Estela Nunez. They start the night off. 15 fights in Orlando. That's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah, a lot of good fights on that one. I'm uh, That Cortez Rebus fight is going to be interesting. Main card's on ESPN, too. So uh, hopefully it gets a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. All right, folks. Listen, we're going to get on out of here. And if we could finish with, I don't want to sound corny, but maybe what we're thankful for. I know there's some low-hanging fruit, and I can just go, you guys, if it wasn't for you, but we tell you that almost every show. <laughs> so we really do mean it. Um, you guys are uh, the reason we do this. Um, and thank you for your support. So we're, we're definitely thankful thankful for that. But um, I'm just happy to get our mom back. I hadn't seen her in almost a month, over a month. She was in South America, so it was nice to give her a hug and a kiss and spend some time with her. Uh, thankful for my parents, obviously, you know, both still with us, luckily. So we're going to definitely enjoy the holiday with them and our other loved ones. Well, George covered a lot of family stuff there. So I guess I'll just be kind of greedy guy. I'm thankful that my sports teams don't suck as much as they normally do. A uh, big, big push there on that end that I'm excited about. And then also uh, thankful that our little dog Yogi is uh kind of cracking me up more and more every day and he's been a pretty good boy while we've been out here in california yeah he's becoming a soldier now because he's slowly exiting puppy stage they say you're a puppy till two but to me when they're little they're always a puppy but yeah technically two so we still got a whole more year of puppiness or puppy stage but he's now developing his characteristics and his trait and he's definitely a lot of fun to be around um if you've ever and if you've never had a dog and you just wonder, gee, what kind of breed um, should I get? Well, we'll always back. I mean, look, there's a lot of cool breeds out there. Don't get me wrong, but we've had some great luck with Jack Russell Terriers. So if you have the time to spend with them, they're great companions. They're very, very fun. Like they really, really do put a smile on, on your face. And yeah, it goes this team. I got to give them props. The commanders, I bet on them because I've seen it. They've been they've been playing better. USC is maybe on the verge of fighting or uh, getting in that little mix for the national championship. And UNLV's five and zero in basketball. They play Minnesota to end this tournament tonight. Really? And then, uh, yeah, and then the um, Manchester United is kind of crawled out of the basement that they were in. Yeah, it's unfortunate things ended the way they did with Ronaldo, but um, I think they did what they had to do. So, all right, folks, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We'll all, we'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion. We'll see you Monday. <laughs>